All right. Well, good morning, Faith Church. That is wrong. You do not have five minutes. Uh, we are ready to start. I want to thank you all for being here this morning. Uh, I want to welcome our online audience and thank them for being here. For our online audience, I want to let you guys know uh, we've had technical difficulties, but we were able to get things fixed. We apologize that last week was really, really rough. We had to do everything on a phone. This week, we just have one camera, and so we apologize for that, but at least we do have that. So uh, those of you guys that are here and our online audience, today's going to be a little bit different. Um, and actually, before we even get to that, uh, I want to do something uh, a little bit unique, a little bit special. Uh, but I want to talk for just a moment about the fact that as a church, we get to be here, we get to be in church, we get to worship freely. And the reason why we get to worship freely is because there are those that have fought for us to have that freedom. And it's really important to understand that. And so while we want to be careful as a church, we don't worship any nation or any country or any flag. <laughs> we worship the risen Savior. We understand that the freedom we have to meet as a church, to meet as a people, and to be able to do that is because of the service of those that have fought for us to have that freedom. And so uh, yesterday uh, was Veterans Day, and just in honor of Veterans Day, I'd like to just ask if there's anybody here who, if you served uh, at all in the military, if you would be willing to stand so that we can just honor you and thank you uh, for your service. If there's anybody who's here that would, yeah. Thank you so much. This is why we get to freely worship Jesus Christ is because of your act of service. And so thank you for that. Uh, today is going to be a little bit different. Um, we're actually, uh, we're not going to have music. We're going to have a panel of people up here speaking and talking to us about something that's really important. Uh, today is uh, Stand Sunday. Uh, a few years ago, it used to be called Orphan Sunday, but they changed the name and changed the name to say that uh, basically the idea is that um, we all stand together so that, or actually, I'm not going to say it right. How do I say it? There it is. Let me say it so the online audience can hear it. We all stand together so no one has to stand alone. And we're going to be talking today a little bit about adoption and orphan care and that kind of thing. And the, the risk is this. There are some of you that are going to go, oh, that's not for me. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm too old. <laughs> that's, that's not where I'm at. Or I've, I've, I've done this already. And I've, but I want to challenge you to just listen and to go, but how do I engage in this? Or how can I serve in this? Or how can I be a part of this? Because Scripture is pretty clear about how we're to uh, love the orphan, about how we're to love those who do not have. Um, and so uh, today's the day for us to engage with that. And I actually have been praying, and I believe that there may be families, we have several families in our church who have done uh, foster care, who have done adoptions, and I believe that God might be working on some of you that are here today and saying, actually, maybe I want you to do that. And so I just want to challenge each and every one of us to sit and to listen and to consider. Uh, and so just to prayerfully allow Holy Spirit to speak to you today. So let me open us up with prayer. And then after I pray, uh, our panel is going to come on up and get to share and talk with you uh, about Stand Sunday and what that means and how it's interacted in their life. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much uh, for uh, your Holy Spirit's guidance in the lives of those that are about to come up here and share and just how you moved them towards becoming a part of uh, an incredible ministry of sharing the love of Jesus in the life of a young one. 
by doing one of the most selfless things and opening up their home and saying, I want you to not just be in my home, I want you to be in my family. We want you to come and to join us. And I just am so thankful for each and every one of these individuals. And Lord, as we hear from different perspectives, from the perspective of parents that have opened up their home to the perspective of siblings that had to be willing to open up their home, Lord, I just pray that you would move in each of our hearts. May we be challenged to go, how can I become a part of this? How can I help those that are doing this? How can I serve them? And so, Lord, may we just hear your spirit move in each of our hearts and minds today. And may we just be willing to sit and to listen and allow you to speak. And we just pray that your name would be glorified. So it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. I'm going to invite those of you that are on the panel to come on up. And I'm going to turn it over to uh, Ashley as she leads us through uh, this, this next time. Hello. <laughs> um, I was trying to think back um, how many times we've done Stand Sunday. I know we actually dedicated our girls on Stand Sunday. It was Orphan Sunday, but they were like three, and they're 12 now. So it's been, what, I can't do math at the moment, nine years? Thank you. <laughs> I was going to say eight, but I didn't think that was right. Um, nine years since we've been doing this, and we've seen so much fruit from it. We've seen people step into safe families which is an organization that we'll probably highlight um, in a little bit. We've seen people become advocates. We've seen people just have a heart for uh, foster children who help love indeed, which is another organization that we will talk about. But we've seen so much fruit, and it's kind of like the heartbeat of our church. We have so many adoptive families right now. We don't, I don't think we have any current foster families. I could be wrong. Um, but we have so many that have gone through the process and have adopted through foster care, and this has been their journey, and it's just so beautiful to be a part of a community that supports that, that we can support each other, we get it, and we've been through it, and we can love on each other in that way. Um, so Stan Sunday, uh, their mission and their reason for, for becoming this national organization that, that wants to speak out for this, they say that everyone has a role to play in standing for children and family in critical life situations involving child welfare. No one person can do everything, but every person can do something. And on any given day, there's 13,000 foster children in Michigan alone. Um, every year, there's 20,000 nationwide that age out of the system, meaning they become 18, and this, like, the system just stops supporting them. There's not enough support for after they age out. Um, and then for Michigan alone, it's 1,600 uh, teenagers age out of the system every year without having like solid parents, solid role models in their lives. And that's kind of a blanket statement. I'm hoping and praying that some of them do, but this is the statistic that 1,600 kids in Michigan age out every year. So we just, yeah, our heart is just for people, to love people, to share God's heart with people. And so uh, we're going to introduce ourselves, and um, I've got some questions that we're going to walk through and uh, just talk about this. Um, so my name is Ashley. Matt and I uh, adopted our girls. Um, they're 12, so 10 years ago. And um, it's been a wild ride, but I'm so glad to be a part of Faith Church because these people right here, maybe not Gabe. I'm getting to know Gabe. We're, you're a good guy. I love your family. Um, but the rest of the people right here were my support system. They, like, saved us and made us a family in lots of ways. So uh, 
let's go down the line and introduce yourself and what your experience is with foster care or adoption. Um, everybody knows me, I'm Steve Pfeiffer. Um, I was adopted at the age of four and I also adopted two of my children. And he married me. <laughs> um, I'm Rory Piper. Um, I adopted my two children. They're biological siblings. Um, I adopted them about 11 years ago. And then um, I adopted one of Steve's sons about a year ago. Uh, I'm Jeff Heeshan, my wife, Amy. Uh, both of us have been in this foster care journey for years. Um, we have six kids, three of them are adopted. Uh, they're a sibling group. Um, so we have that experience behind us. And then as we transitioned, we decided there was another aspect of this that we wanted this journey that we wanted to continue. And we started Love Indeed uh, back in about 2015 with a couple other families. Um, and that's something the church supports, which we're grateful that they do. Um, but again, that, that's kind of our journey story. And like I said, we'll get into talking about that a little bit more deep, but that's, that's our story. Hello. There we go. Hey, there we go. <laughs> Can you uh, say that again, please? My name is Gabe. I have two siblings, Jason and Juliana, and they're both adopted. Cool. Um, so for those of us that have adopted or have been foster parents, what motivated you to get involved, and how has it impacted your life? Well, um, in high school, um, I had a good friend whose parents um, did foster care and adoption. Uh, I just thought that was the coolest thing. Um, I never really wanted to have children of my own, um, birth children, I should say. At that age, of course, I didn't. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, so I just made it my life's goal to um, get into foster care and adoption, and um, that's where I've been ever since. And you've really dedicated your life, right? Because what do you do for your job? Um, so I'm a social worker. I work in child welfare uh, licensing. She's worn many hats through this social service. She's worked at different homes, St. Vincent's Home, and just all sorts of places. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've um, worked in child welfare for 26 years. So. Wow, that's amazing. Thank yeah. you. I guess... Um, Mine is, when I was adopted, you know, I just, I felt lost at first, but then, you know, I found a family that loved me and took me in and, and showed me everything, you know. Um, so when I proceeded to adopt my children, I'm like, I need to show them love, because family is the most important thing for me, so, you know, I want these kids to have the experience, you know, I'm, I'm the fourth generation of adoption, actually. I was adopted, my mom and dad, my mom was adopted, my mom's mom, and so on. Um, and I wanted to stop that trend of my kids being removed and being adopted out. I wanted to bring those kids in and adopt them to show them the love and give them the journey and the life that I was raised up to have that they deserve. And I'm just hoping that continues with my children as well even though they're having kids of their own. 
about you? What, what got you guys started, Jeff? <laughs> for me it was I came from a big family um, and I always wanted a big family and, and Amy didn't come from a big family but she will take any kid ever in our house so um, as we just talked through this you know it started way back 20 some years ago um, we just we knew we wanted a big family and we weren't sure how that was going to look and then we just started you know there's friends of us that when we we're living in florida that kind of talked about you know foster and adoption we started that process down there and then we moved up here um but it was really but what really stemmed it was we felt and we still feel that we're called by our heavenly father to do this it's it's on our heart it, it's it's part of who amy and i are um and that hasn't changed in the 20 some years that we've been part of this. It's just who we are. Um, he brought us in, he opened his door, he brought us in, he invited us in, and we, we do the same thing. And that's, that's who we are. It's just part of us. So I think for us, it's like I said, it's just something that, that is instilled in us that he put on our hearts to say, hey, look, this is what you're gonna do. And we said, game on. But you came. My parents decided. I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you were kind of along for the ride, but what was it like, though, to like when they when they approached you about bringing children into the home? Like, what what did that feel like? What were you thinking? How old were you actually at the time? Uh, I believe I was about fourteen. Um, it wasn't anything we had ever thought of before. First time they uh, brought it up, um, but me and all my siblings, we all went along with it and got two kids for it. <laughs> Very cool. And you have two older siblings, right? Younger. Oh, younger. Oh, that's right. You're the oldest. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> I did say I was getting to know you right now. <laughs> and I, I think it might have been my fault. I'm sorry. It's one of those Sundays I stood up here, I think. <laughs> so, but yeah, but the Mays family stepped in after hearing talks on a Sunday like this where we took the time to do this. So that's why we do it. Um, and for Matt and I, um, we were going through miscarriages, and we, I had always wanted to be a mom, and I, um, my sister was adopted actually through St. Vincent's, um, and I was born when she was eight. I was a total surprise to my family because they were told that they would no longer be able to have children. Um, they didn't have any biological children, and so we were having troubles as well, and there was just something in my heart that I was moving this way. The first time I talked to Matt, he said, nope. And so I said, okay, God, this is on you. <laughs> and then a couple months later, though, like, he was totally softened by it. And, um, yeah, it changed our lives. Like, I can't imagine life without it. I forget that they're adopted sometimes. Like, they're just our kids. You know, people always ask, like, because we have a biological daughter, too. When we had the girls for three months, we found out I was pregnant. And I cried for a month and because we had twins and we had three under 18 months at when she was born. And so it's just, they, it all just happened all at once. But there are kids. Like, there's no separation. There's no, like, stigma. Nobody's our favorite. Do you, I mean, you guys feel the same way. I know your families, you know. Like, they're just family. Um, so what are some different types? Rory, maybe you can answer this one. Of, like, foster care and adoption there's like kinship, there's all sorts of stuff, all different ways. So for, for foster care, um, there's a, f a few different ways that um, 
families can provide um, services to foster kids um, or homes to foster kids. So there's just the, the regular foster care. Um, and those are going to be kids whose families cannot take care of them, and so they need a home to stay with. Um, that, that type of foster care is not uh, for families who specifically want to adopt. Those are for families who want to work with the parents to get their children back. Um, you can um, also uh, work towards adoption, <coughs> excuse me, adopting youth who are already available for adoption. Uh, the state of Michigan does have a website. Um, it's called MARE, uh, which is the Michigan Adoption Resource Exchange. Um, and that uh, lists youth who are available for adoption. Um, and it also walks you through the process of how to do that, how to go about that. Um, we also need families for um, older youth who are working towards independence. Um, those are called independent living homes. Um, so that that's a family that's going to help youth work towards adulthood. So helping them pay their bills. They pay rent in your home. They uh, pay for their food and things like that. You're just there to kind of mentor them through that process. Um, something that is kind of new to the state of Michigan as far as um, a foster home licensing is a respite program. Um, respite homes are homes where um, youth come to stay with you for a short amount of time from another foster home. Um, this has always been kind of something that foster parents have, have always relied on, but it's never been like an actual program through the state of Michigan where you get paid and things and there's resources. Um, so this, this is something that's fairly new. Um, and that's just a family that's going to go alongside the foster family and help them through maybe a difficult time, um, Maybe the, maybe the child needs, you know, just time away. The family needs time away. Uh, some of the children in foster care do have, uh, do come with a lot of baggage, and sometimes they need um, a little bit more, um, more services, uh, a little bit of a break, things like that. I know when we first got our license, we did respite um, for a family. They Kids can't leave the state without the... Um, foster kids cannot leave the, like cross state lines without either court approval or approval from the bio parents. Um, and so this family had like a trip that they had planned before they got their children. And so we just had their kids for a weekend and it was super fun. They were, you know, there was, I don't know, it was just really fun. It was our first time having kids in the house and um, it was nice. And then the parents got to do their thing. And, but that's a way that like people that aren't called to like adopt children or have people long term come into their home, like, you can help the family out. Anybody can do that. It's like, um, with this new program, I don't know about all of that, but I, before it was like a soft hit on a background check, and you're just on their list of approved people, and you just love on the family in that way. So that's just another way. Yeah, there's, um, you also mentioned kinship. Mm -hmm. um, so kinship is, is families. So um, fam maybe, like, grandparents, they can take in their grandchildren, things like that. It's... <laughs> Lisi, thank you. <laughs> um, so we have a lot of that. That's a big, huge push in the United States is to place uh, foster youth with family. Um, and so we, we try to do that as much as possible. Yeah. Um, so what other supports are available? Uh, Jeff, like you mentioned Love Indeed and um, we, I kind of mentioned Safe Families. Can you speak into other like community supports? 
maybe Casa, if you are familiar. I know Rory, too. Um, I can't remember who knows what. So support from the community. How can we stand with people? <laughs> well, kinda, I'll, I'll mention the, the first two. I'll let Rory speak to Casa because I know what it stands for. That's about it. But um, So, you know, Safe Families is another avenue that, that we've had, go, you know, families in our church have done that as well. Um, it's not as, as, it's a little bit similar to foster care, but it's that same aspect of, of helping out a family who they're going through something, whether it's like maybe it's a single mom who's going through a surgery that's going to be, you know, kind of out of commission for a while. And instead of maybe she doesn't have a connection to somebody for watch her kids. So the Safe Family is that kind of organization that will come alongside of them and say, hey, you know what? They have families within their system that will come in and they'll take care of your child while, you know, the next couple weeks you're recovering or something like that. Or they're going through something. And they'll just be that, that partnership, kind of almost like a respite care kind of thing, but a little bit more advanced than that. Um, it's kind of what Safe Families does. Um, Love Indeed. Um, Again, something Amy and I and, and another uh, foster family had started back in about 2015. Um, again, it was a time in our life where we were kind of transitioning out of the foster and adoption, and we were saying, okay, what's next? And, you know, the Lord said, hey, here's what you're going to do. We're like, what? Um, basically, what, we're, what we've done, if you're not too familiar with it, is, is we're kind of like a foster closet. We, we just... We know as, as the foster community, it, you can get calls at any time saying, hey, we have this child. And it may not, you know, you might go, hey, you know what? Because usually when you go through the processing, it's like, well, what age child? And you might say like zero to five. So, but you don't have zero to five stuff for that child, right? You could get called at 10 at night, whatever it might be, saying, hey, we have a child. And you're like, oh, shoot, I don't have enough stuff. Um, fortunately... When you're in an area like this or our church and our community, we could, you know, families, we have connections. We can call, hey, Roy, do you have a crib? Yeah, I got one. And she can give it to us. There aren't families who always have that, um, that have to hunt, scramble, try and find something. And so we decided, well, why don't we be that? Um, so we decided to start an organization, Love Indeed, that, that filled that gap, that, that kind of take that pressure off the fostering families it's one less thing they have to worry about. Say, hey, you know what? We know that we're getting a child. It's, it's two years old. We need X, Y, and Z. They can just call us up and say, hey, do you have X, Y, and Z? And we say, yep, come get it. It's free, no charge. Use it. Once you're done with it, give it back to us so we can pay it forward to the next family. That's what we do. Um, and we've been bouncing around, you know, locations for a while. And, and I know we've, we've talked about it here, but, you know, up at Jesus Church, we're actually, our building is there finally. Whew. It's kind of nice. So it's almost to the point where we can move in hopefully soon. Um, but it's actually our own building, our own thing that we can kind of set up however we want. And people can come in and kind of do their shopping and stuff like that instead of working out of a, although thankful for the school we're in up in, up in St. John's. But um, this is going to be a bit nicer than, than just having a room of stuff that we kind of shove in there and somewhat organized. Um, it's just we have so much stuff, which is awesome. Um, but that's kind of the idea behind that. But there's there's... Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other agencies. I mean, there I mean, are other Ian foster County closets. County has a foster closet too. Yeah. Uh, for that area, but you get—I mean, you guys reach like all the agencies know about you. Yep. You get yep. contacts from everywhere. It's amazing. Yeah. And there are other foster closets out there, depending on where you're at too. But 
Um, but yeah, that's that's the thing. We just try and get connected with all the, the agencies so that they know who we are um, so they can pass it forward to their clients. My own personal example, like we were prepared. Well, I thought we were prepared. Uh, we had zero to five clothing and items in our house for boys and girls when we were doing this and we were licensed and all of this. And then we got twin girls. And I'm like, now, wait a minute. I was expecting a baby and a toddler. I didn't know it was going to be two babies. So I did. I called Jeff and Amy. This is before 11 D. I was like, I need another car seat. So I drove to their house in our two-seater truck. Like, it just happened. I just called our licensing worker and said I was going out of town for the week. She was like, I don't think you are. And uh, that's what happened. <laughs> so it's, you know, the best laid plans. But, yeah, it's been really cool to see that become this, you know, they have their own charter, their own nonprofit. Like, it's become this big thing. And I know we talk about it a lot, but that's, they're actually one of our local missions partners at Faith Church. They're on our mission wall out there. So, super cool. And then CASA? CASA. Uh, CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocate. Um, so, these are, like it says, court appointed individuals who um, work with youth in foster care to uh, present their needs to the court. Um, so as we all know, the foster care system, foster care workers are very overworked. Um, they can't always handle every little thing. So court-appointed special advocates, they visit with the youth, they talk with the youth, they do, sometimes they do fun special things with the youth, and then they, you know, present to the court what they think is best for this youth. Um, so it's a wonderful program. It's all volunteer, um, and it's uh, you know they go through extensive training, so you get lots of lots of training on it. Um, but it's a great way if you don't want to take a kid into your home. It's a great way to still advocate for them. That's super cool. Um, so Steve, I don't really know much of your story. Um, I really like we're good friends and everything, but I just don't know. So as a child who was adopted, did your family have resources? Did you, like, were there community supports? I don't, I don't know much about, and if you're willing to share. Well, we only got <laughs> 30 minutes left, but. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, it started off, I was four years old. My grandparents were raising me. My dad, still to this day, I don't know who he is, but I do know who my father is. Um, I lived with that my whole life. Um, I seen my mom go through turmoils and stuff like that, drug addictions. You know, as a four-year-old, I seen all this stuff, abuse. Um, so my grandparents raised me. They couldn't continue to raise in me, so they put me up for adoption. Foster care come took me to my new home and I show up on their doorstep and my mom opens the door and she's like you're supposed to be brown haired brown eyed kid named Benjamin I did have hair back then just to let you know <laughs> <laughs> blonde hair blue eyes named Steve they still took me in they still love me continuously um before I was adopted, they actually adopted my older brother. And so I had a sibling. Um, later on, probably three years later, we ended up adopting my sister. So I actually have two siblings. Um, my sister is 
I'm a month, two months and a day older than her, but we always said we were twins. I just said that I, I didn't want to share, celebrate a birthday, so I kicked her back in for another two months to all the kids <laughs> at school. <laughs> so, um, long story short, I grew up. Um, let's see. My, one of my marriages, I had a daughter, a stepdaughter. Um, her dad wasn't around pretty much, just didn't want nothing to do with her. And we talked, her mother and I, and we decided, you know, could I adopt her? You know, it, she's one of my own. I mean, she's not my blood, but she's my own. We don't have to be blood to be family. I mean, I, I grew up that way. I had grandparents. I had aunts, uncles. Everybody accepted me. Everybody loved me. Everybody just, you know, took me in. I wanted that for her. So I adopted her, raised her up. Um, then years down the road, turmoils in life, blah, blah, blah. Ended up um, having a grandson, and his mom was in a bad place. Didn't want to be a, a mom. Um, and I knew it was going to be a long road. So we had to do the foster family thing. We brought him in ever since he's been born, raised him up as if he's one of our own. Um, then we finally got the approval, adopted him, so now I have him. Um, prior to all this, I met somebody, had a kid, didn't find out about him. He ended up being adopted out, and that broke my heart because I wanted my trend to stop, the adoption trend to stop. So... I knew nothing about him. Um, when he was 13 years old, his mom finally come to me and goes, hey, by the way, this is your kid. And I'm like, prove it. She showed me a picture. I says, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good enough for me. I know that's mine. <laughs> uh, so my life, I actually have two kids that are physically mine, blood-wise. But I have seven kids total. Two of them I adopted, um, and two of them that are my step. <laughs> and I treat her kids just like I treat them, as if they were mine. They're, you know. Um, I mean, you to stopped me, that trend. You realize that, I right? did stop the trend because I actually did adopt him back. Yeah. So technically, <laughs> legally, he's mine. He's bloodly mine. So, paper-wise, last name, he is mine. Um, so I did try. I did put a stop to this trend of, of adoption. Um, yeah, I just, it, it's a rough road for those that want to be foster parents. I'm not gonna lie, I'm gonna be straight up. You're gonna have problems understanding the children of where they came from, what their background is. You just got to learn how to deal with it, put your faith in God, and let him guide you in the directions that you need to teach these kids. Um, it, it's going to be, it's not easy. It, it's it's going to be a rough road, and you got to be prepared for that. I don't want to discourage anybody from it, because... Lord knows we need 
more foster families adopting kids. We can't leave these kids out on the streets or in systems or in foster facilities. I mean, these kids, these kids, they have, it's not their fault. It's poor choices that were made prior to parents wanting to be parents. They chose different roles. They chose different paths to take. But these kids were not, um, these kids did not choose that path. They want to be loved. They want to be a part of a family. They want to be known who they are, you know. Um, my brother and my sister both got to grow up knowing who their biological families were. They got to hang out with them. They got to see them. Mine, I was unable to. My case, I was told, was a closed case, a sealed case. You cannot go back and find your family. You cannot look them up. You cannot do this. You cannot do that. My brothers and sisters were able to see them, be able to go on weekends, whenever. And that, that hurt me. It's like, why can I not do this? I know I had grandparents that loved me. I remember trips that my grandma and grandpa took me on. I remember them. Um, it finally came down to when I was about a teenager, my mom actually pulled some strings, talked to people, um, and I was able to see my grandma and grandpa. And the problem is, is <laughs> and this is me, this is not just every kid. I was a teenager, but when my grandma and grandpa showed up, I was back to the four-year-old mm -hmm. stage. Even though I had parents and grandparents that raised me up, that you're a teenager. Yeah, I'm a teenager. But when I see my grandma for the first time, my grandma and grandpa, I was a four-year-old. I was misbehaving. I was just, I was a toddler, mm -hmm. <laughs> a terrible two toddler that was four years old. Yeah. Um, you there's, know. there's something about that bond, though. Like when you have children um, who know or remember their families, like, it doesn't matter how they were treated in their home. That's their mom, and they're going to defend their mom, and they're going to want their mom, and they're going to try to do anything to get you to send them back to their mom. And so that is one of the, the challenges that you have, is trying to understand, like, their hearts cry for their parents. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know where to move on to. Despite all the the difficulties, the hard times, it's so worth it. Mm -hmm. Just to be able to see, um, just my my son Rory, he, he calls me all the time and tells me he loves me and thanks me for everything I've done, even though it's been, it's been a rough road. Um, just knowing that he has that, mm -hmm. he would not have had that without, without me in his life. And it, it makes it all worth it. You're his person. Yeah. No matter what happens, he knows he has you. Mm, it's so good. Um, so, Gabe, you have a different perspective because you are a biological child to your parents who brought in kids that were not biologically related. Do you have any, like, what were the challenges? What were the, what are, I guess, currently as they're growing up? Like, what are you? Um, 
So my parents constantly uh, tell me and uh, my two biological siblings that um, this isn't what like an average child is like and that um, these kids come with a lot more like uh, trauma or whatever it is. And so they tend uh, to be more difficult. And so just in general, like you have more behavior problems and stuff like that. Yeah. I love to see you interacting with them though, because you guys are such good older siblings. Like, just. It teaches you patience really well. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, don't ever pray for patience because you'll have opportunities to be patient, right? Absolutely. God gives us practice. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, can I add on to that? Yeah. Although I'm not in his situation, but with, with ours, like I said, we have three biological, three adopted. Um, and, you know, Amy and I have always been, and I've said this before when I've stood up here and talked about this, but amazed at how they interact. Um, not just with the ones that, that we've adopted, but we've had a number of kids come through our house, you know, for X amount of days when we were in fostering. And every single time, it doesn't matter if it's another foster kid, they've always treated them as a sibling. And I've always been amazed at the grace and patience that my kids have. Um, that, is, that is not something Amy and I did. You know, that's something that the Lord put on their hearts. And we don't do this as Amy and I are going to do this. It's our family does this. Um, and I think that's a big thing. If you, in this journey, it has to be a family decision. It, can, it, it makes it really difficult. I mean, not that it can't. But it, it, I think it could make it more difficult if it's not a unified decision. Um, and and we, we've always kind of stemmed that way when we do this. Anytime that we've talked about this, you know, depending, obviously depending on the age of the kids, we, we talk of it as a family. Um, and we all have to kind of be on board because we're all supporting this child coming into our house one way or another. Um, and, and it needs to be there. And like I said, I've always been amazed at my kids and how they they interact with with other kids and, and it stems not even just the ones that come through our house but we can see them interacting with kids at church and at school and just how they they have more i think more empathy for kids at school when they're going through harder times it's so funny when um a real quick story there was there was one time where jacob um when he was in high school he was some of the kids he was hanging out with weren't the best kids to hang out with they got in a lot of trouble and he's not one that likes to get in trouble and there were a couple of times where he goes dad I don't think I should be hanging around them I go no you need to be hanging around them and he goes well why because you're the rock that they need and I go and that stems from the decisions that you've you've seen that in our household and I go those kids need you to be part of their lives so if you were to get in trouble fine we'll defend you but stay there and stay with them and show them the right way to be. And, and he did. And it was just, it's just neat because I think they get a different perspective, obviously, when they're in houses like this. When it's, it's, a, it's mixed and you're getting all these different things and you're going through this system and you're seeing your parents going, I don't know what to do, you know, because the court's doing this or this is what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, it, it really, I think, if done properly, can really strengthen that family. And really, you have to rely on the Lord. Because I don't know how anybody does this, not having him as, as your rock. Because, like you said, even though it is difficult, it is an amazing process when you can sit back and look at the journey and go, this is awesome. I mean, I, I, 
always tell people, you know, well, I moved from Florida up to here, and people go, why did you do that? And initially, my thing was, well, it's because of the job. That's what initially brought me here. But that's not why we're here. We were here because of those three kids. And me. Yeah, and Ashley. And me. <laughs> but we, you know, God had that plan. He saw that years ahead of us. Yeah. And he knew where we needed to be. And he knew when these kids were going to be born. And he knew when these kids needed us. And it wasn't because, hey, yeah, the job was an opportunity to keep us a stable home up here. But it wasn't why we moved here. It was because of those kids, you know. Um, so I want us to talk about something that, like, unexpected joy or something that... Um, like blew you away through this, like in a, in a positive way. Um, and I'll give you a minute to think because one of my questions was like, what are some common misconceptions or stereotypes? And one of the things when Jeff talked about God, like relying on God, we had family that were like, you don't want to do that. What are you thinking? They're not like, they're going to come with baggage. They're going to be, you know, who knows what they're going to see and what they're going to be like and all of this stuff. And People always say, I can never foster because my heart would break if they ever left me and all of this. And those are, they are all valid, you know, concerns. But when God has it in your heart, if he's sparking something, like, he will pave the way. I remember one person in our family, I sat in a parking lot. I was supposed to be returning library books. I was at the foster community center, and I'm sitting there. And we, I sat there for like an hour and a half, and we talked about all of their concerns for us. And that night, they were going to their church, and they ended up going into service, and there was a missionary there who was an adopted man and talked about his journey and answered every single concern that they had for us. And they called me back, and they're like, I'm so sorry. Like, <laughs> God's got this. This is amazing, you know? And because he spoke to her just where she was at and just exactly what she needed to hear, and there's no separation in our family. They've embraced these children, and... Um, another unexpected joy for me is Lainey had to have surgery uh, within a month from coming home to us. And she, um, our girls, so next service they're going to be in here. This is my first time having them hear things like this. Um, sorry. Our girls uh, were born very early. They didn't have a third trimester. They were born um, having drug exposure in the womb. And so going through a lot of withdrawal, especially Lainey, she was only two pounds when she was born, she was innovated. I have no idea how many times. We didn't actually meet them until they were almost five months. But she um, had posture. She couldn't look you in the eyes. Um, as she was the size of a newborn when we brought them home at almost five months. She couldn't look you in the eyes. She was always like this. No matter how you held her, she was facing away from you. And so she goes in to have this surgery like three weeks after we brought her home. And she was coming out of... Uh, the medication, the anesthesia, and um, she was just screaming, just crying. They could not console her no matter what. They came to get me. Um, mind you, we'd been spending, um, I don't know if this is important. I guess it's part of the story. So her biological mother was there at the hospital with us all day. We also had an agency worker there, um, and so we kind of got to get to know her a little bit, and um, but there just was no bond between her and, and Lainey. There just wasn't. Like, anytime Lainey would cry, she would give her to me. And um, so anyway, she's waking up after the procedure, 
And she's just screaming, and they brought me back, and instantly she calmed down. They're like, oh, she just needed her mom. And I'm like, oh. you know, I mean, you all know me. I'm like losing it. I'm like, yeah, I am your mom, you know? And like, but I didn't know how long it was going to be for. I didn't know anything. But there was a bond there. Kids have to bond with someone. They have to. So why can't it be me? Why can't it be us? Especially when we know the Lord. And I'm not trying to pressure anybody. It's just on my heart in this moment. Why can't it be us? For them to bond with. Sorry. Yeah, I think to, to add on to a little bit of what Ashley was saying. It, it's, it's, and not the, the, the pressure part. It, it's, if, if we want to talk about something that's been kind of that, surprise or, or aha with us is just how this church has bonded around fostering and adoption. Like we have a ton of families. We've gone through our season since we've been here. We used to have a lot of foster families here, a ton of them. You know, not as many now, but we have a ton of adoptive families, and which is great to see, right? And I love how we continue to support. You know, it, adoption doesn't end like nothing. It's not like, hey, fostering, okay. You battle through everything and you go ups and downs and all this and then adoption and it's like, hey, everything's rosy and fine. No, you still have to battle and go through all of this. other. It might be different, but you're still going through all of this other stuff. Because again, the, the children who go through this, they're still dealing with stuff and they'll deal with stuff potentially for the rest of their lives that we have to, as parents, as supportive families, friends, churches, we still have to support them. Um, I think a big thing, like I said, is how this church just jumped in when when this started to become something here. That, you know, when I we talked to Kirk and he was like, yep, game on, let's go. And we do this every November. We do something similar to this. Whatever, sometimes it looks a little bigger, but it's always been part of this church. And, you know, anytime that we've asked for help or things like we're, we don't hesitate. And that's that's huge, and you don't, I don't know if you understand how much that means to parents. I'm out of it. We don't do that anymore, but it still affects us in a good way. And to see that support, no matter what it is, is humongous for us. Um, and like I said, we haven't been in the foster game for a while, but still being able to see that and, and, and I can still think of those times and obviously it's still emotional, <laughs> um, but it means a lot. And that's probably one of my biggest surprises out of all of this, you know, and seeing how, how that support is. And it can be at many different levels and we'll talk about that probably a little bit later. So most of you know and have heard my daughter, Kaylin. When she, <laughs> I'm sure she's talked to everybody in here. Um, but when she first came to live with me, she barely talked. I, I know that's really hard to believe right now, but she barely said a word. Um, it was just a lot of, you know, grunting and growling. Growling, too, yes. Um, and that obviously has changed so much. Um, she's grown so much. Um, Having a neurodivergent 
child is not easy. <laughs> um, and this church has accepted her as she is. Um, many places we go to, I feel like I kind of have to set the scene for her um, and for other people's, <laughs> uh, including family members. I have to be like, well, this is, this is how she is. This is how she functions, you know, things like that. This church, I can let her be free and all of you accept her um, and know who she is. She even gives some of you hugs, and that's huge. Um, she's not a big hugger. She never was. She also had the same posture that Lainey had. She, you know, if you would pick her up, she would be stiff as a board. Um, and now she's hugging people. And she doesn't hug anywhere else outside of this church. So... Gabe, any unexpected cool things or ways that you've seen? I don't know. Joy? I know I'm putting you on the spot. I didn't tell you I was going to ask you that. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, A cool thing is you get siblings or, you know, kids. Yeah. yeah. Lots of energy. You like lots of energy. <laughs> Very cool. That's only because you're the older brother and you get to set the boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I guess not to push anybody, not to persuade anybody, but think of your life, I guess. Think of how you were raised, how you were loved, how somebody was always there for you. These foster kids, adopted kids, they just want that. They just want to feel loved. They, they've missed that. I mean, even if you've picked up a brand newborn the first day, they were missing that love. They want to feel that love. And that's all these kids are wanting is to be felt loved, appreciated, acknowledged, and give them a life, a good life. Um, yeah, they want to be known. Yeah. Yeah. Seen, yeah. Um, we have just a couple of minutes left, and um, I wanted to see, does anybody have questions? Yeah. I guess, actually, can you, for online, sorry. <laughs> Good morning. Um, if you were a family where you had two working parents, how would you balance um, all of the things that need to be done with a foster child with um, having to work full time? Um, so, do you want to? Help. Help. <laughs> Help from others. Um, so, I have a, for me, because um, when I adopted the children, both of us worked, um, and I had a great support system. I have two wonderful sisters who are, you know, they, they help me, they drop everything to come help me. Um, I have Amy and Ashley, I can call them for if I need stuff. Um, so it's that having that support system. Um, and like I said earlier, there's also, um, 
respite providers. Um, sometimes those can be family members and friends too. Um, and then um, you do get, you know, free daycare. So. Yeah, the state has <laughs> services in place. Like if the children are not school-aged um, or even school-aged, but you need care after school, like the state will pay for for services. There are Sometimes there's like a limit. There's like certain approved daycare facilities yep. and stuff like that that you have to go through. Um, but um, they, they'll do that. And then they give you a stipend also, depending on how old the child is. While they're in foster care, you get a stipend to help with extra costs. And I mean, it's people that say that foster parents do it for the money. They don't know what they're talking about. But, <laughs> but it covers babysitters, you know, sort of, most of the time. Um, and there's, but like every case is different, but there are supports available, especially while they are foster children, while they are like through the system. Um, that's one thing, like with safe families, they're not in the system yet. They are trying to prevent foster care. And so there's not as much support as far as that goes, which is another reason I love this church and how we love on people that are doing the safe families route. Um, they have their own organization for that, but... Um, but yeah, there are there are support things through the agencies that you go through, um, and then yeah, us. Yep. So, yeah. So I don't have a question, but I do have a little story. Is that okay? Sure. So Chris and I were foster parents um, for border children for about four years, three years. Two and a half years. It felt like 10 years. We had 40 children come through our house. So the way our immigration system works is if there's an unaccompanied child, and there are tens of thousands of these children that cross the border every year, okay? If they're detained by our immigration or our ICE people, they go into the foster care system and we would receive these children. And they would come traumatized. They'd come covered in lice. They would come, you know, um, they were wrecks. And we would just pour love onto these kids. And it's, it's, this is how God works. Because yesterday, Chris and I were in Southern Ohio visiting one of these kids who was four when he came to us, and he was a beggar on the streets in Guatemala. He knew no Spanish, no English, okay? God placed him in our home because guess who's a special education teacher who speaks Spanish, okay? And I was privileged to watch the light bulb go on when he figured out the word rojo means red, you know? and that he was wearing a red shirt and Clifford was red. And, 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 and now he is gonna be a ninth grader. He's playing football, but he still remembered us. And his mom said, hey, can you come and visit? And when he hugged us, he said, you, I remember the smell. I remember how you guys smell like. Mm -hmm. It's been 10 years. Mm -hmm. And That's he says, I, I, I love you. I love you, you know, I love you. And he remembered things, you know, I mean, how much do we remember at four years old? He asked us about dreams that he thought were dreams, but they were actual memories, but he didn't have, the, he thought they were dreams. Wow. And so he 
shared, and he was, oh, that actually happened. And so you talk about a bond. Yeah. He was with us for three and a half months. And when we had to give him up, it was like losing a child. But what I'll tell you is that we were foster parents just for, you know, two and a half years. If you've got two and a half years in your life, okay, we started foster care because our, our kid graduated from high school and he says, after his day after his open house, he says, I'm moving to Grand Rapids to live with grandma. Bye. <laughs> and we're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, aren't we supposed to have a class or do some breathing exercises or something to be, you know, you know, and, 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 and we, we weren't ready to not be parents yet, you know, to stop being parents, to be empty nesters. So we started fostering these kids and, and it was a time in our life, you know, and it came to an end, but there was two and a half years there, we were able to give something you know, back to the kingdom, you know? I do want to thank you for bringing up your story um, because that is another form of foster care that you can do. Um, there are agencies who will foster families just for un unaccompanied refugee minors. So. I would like to share part of my story, if that's okay. Yes. So my name is Lisey Dittmer. A lot you of people- You wanna come up and stand? Yeah, I is can. okay? okay. <laughs> Um, so a lot of people know me at this church. I sing. I work with a lot of people's kids. But I was adopted by my non-biological grandparents. My grandparents have two biological kids and three adopted kids. They adopted my sister, who is fully Korean, and they adopted my mom, who is in a non-stable home and who went through a lot of abuse. After they adopted her, after a few years, she was 18 when she had me. After a little bit, I lived with her and, like, almost like split custody between my grandparents and my mom. After that, they adopted me. I did not know what was going on, so I had a, a, like, a thought that my mom abandoned me. I've always had this thought that I was abandoned, and so I would search for that love anywhere I could find it. I've always had a hard time finding that love with my grandparents because I thought they were the reason I was taken away from my mom. And it's hard for me to stand here and say that I feel that way because I know they love me so much. But a lot of these times that these kids are feeling the abandonment because they don't know what's going on. These kids who are taken away from their parents, even if they don't know what's going on, they're feeling that abandonment and they're feeling the hurt. And it's hard. They're longing for their parents and for their mom that they felt that love for for many years. And it's so hard for these kids. But as a kid who has been through that, I was almost put into the adoption system. And I'm so thankful for my grandparents because they actually took me in, even though that they shouldn't have because they were way past the age that they should have been taking care of a kid. My grandparents are both in their 80s, and they should not be taking care of a teenager when it's hard for them. But I'm so thankful for them that they are actually taking care of me and giving me a life that I could have that I know I wouldn't have without them. So as a kid who is adopted and who's been through all that, it's a big deal to give a kid that life that they really could need and just be put in that spot of the feeling of being loved that they really do need. You're worth it, my love. Um, so I just want to end today um, in prayer. I just want us to pray. 
um, whether you know foster children or not, or you know that you are called or not, or whatever is happening, I believe that Holy Spirit is in this place, and uh, there is power in prayer. And so would you, um, would you join us in prayer this morning? <clears throat> Father God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this church that we can step out of the box and do things differently and just follow your leading, Holy Spirit. Thank you for bringing us to this place. Thank you for bringing our stories together and for leading each of our families. Thank you for Lisi and her boldness in sharing. Lord, I pray that you would help her to know that she is worth it, that you see her and that you know her and that you love her beyond measure. We thank you for her grandparents, Lord. We thank you for their faithfulness to you. We pray an anointing over that family that they are so surrounded by your presence and that they are so loved. God, we pray for anybody that's sitting here that has always wondered about foster care or adoption or that is going through something similar, that you are leading them this way, Lord. May they have boldness to ask questions. May they step out in faith, knowing that you go before them and behind them, knowing that they have a community to support them, Lord. Whatever you are doing in this place, Lord, we give it to you. We open our hands. We don't want to control anything. We don't want to pressure people. We don't want to guilt anybody, Lord. We just believe that you are in this and that you are the solution for the foster care crisis. You have so much more for us. You have so much love for every single person on this planet, Lord. May your light shine and your love pour down. May we see your hand of provision. May your peace rest on every single one of us. Not just in this place, Lord, but outside of these walls, in this whole earth, and any child that's sitting in a group home wondering if they're ever going to have their person. God, would they see you in this time in their life? These are your children who you love, who you sent your son for. Lord, give them somebody in their life to know them, to stand for them and with them. May we be a part of that through the power of prayer, through stepping up ourselves, whatever that looks like, Lord. Would you continue to draw us closer to you and put us on mission? We love you so much, and we thank you and praise you for who you are. Amen. All right, I'm going to go ahead and let you guys head to your seats for a moment. As we wrap up our services, uh, can we just thank them for sharing and being here today? In uh, a little bit different than in years past, in years past we've had um, uh, organizations out in the lobby that you can go and talk to and meet with if you have any interest in being a part of this. Uh, a little bit lower key this year. I just want to encourage you, you saw each of those individuals, uh, and there's a few others at the end of service uh, as well, but uh, talk to any one of them, and we're going to have a few people come up front at the end, and if you have any questions and any interest, come talk to them, and to have a conversation with them about foster care, adoption, does not mean you start today. It doesn't mean like now you're in. It does. It just means you're like, I, I just want to know more. I just want to ask questions. And so be willing to ask them questions and begin to consider uh, all the different possibilities and options that are out there. I just want to encourage you guys to do that. 
Uh, as we close, I want to hit a couple of things real quick. We'll have uh, up on the screen some pictures of things that are going on. Uh, you can take pictures of the screen if you need to and want. Uh, real quick, I'll just hit a couple of things, though. Uh, one is our podcast is back up and running. So those of you that have loved that, you can find our Live to Give podcast and give it a listen. Uh, Thanksgiving weekend, when that comes, is when we do child dedications. So if you've got a young one that you would like to, uh, any child of yours, and you want to dedicate them, that's the weekend to do that. We do it then because then you can invite friends and family. And so that's coming up. So I encourage you to sign up. Uh, through our website or through uh, the uh, QR code in front of you guys. If you use your camera and take a picture of it, you can find out how to sign up there. Uh, Also, today is the East Missional Community Meal. If you're looking to get connected uh, and meet some other people, it's a great way to do that. And that's today after the 11 o'clock service in the Connection Center. And so I encourage you uh, to uh, be willing to come back and come be a part of that. Uh, Last thing I have for you. Uh, something I think that's significant in the life of our church that it's one of the things we talk about as a staff and we just said it's time to make this happen. Uh, when COVID hit in 2020 uh, and we uh, stopped meeting in person then we got back to meeting in person, one of the challenges was uh, several volunteers. Uh, we lost several volunteers. And when we came back, we had enough volunteers to do kids ministry at one service. So we've been doing kids ministry at 11 o'clock but not at 9 o'clock. And uh, we've just said it's time for us to have it at both services. And so I'm just going to make an ask. Uh, here's what I'm not asking. Those of you that are serving at 11, please keep serving at 11. <laughs> Those of you that are not serving, here's my ask. I'm going to ask you to step in. It's time for us to have children's ministry at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. And uh, we need new volunteers <laughs> or volunteers that said, I retired, and it's time for you to come out of retirement. You're getting the call. We're calling you out. It's time. It's time to come back into the game. We need you. But uh, by the new year, we want to have children's ministry at 9 and 11 a.m. And so we're just asking for you guys to prayerfully consider uh, being willing to step into that. Uh, we probably need at least 12 individuals to step up and say, I'm in, I'd like to be a part of that. And so we're, we're going to be pushing this for the next several weeks. Some of you may be getting some phone calls from Pastor Courtney. If that is something you are willing to do, same thing, that QR code in front of you, you can find how to sign up on that. But we would love uh, to, we're not just love, we're committed to this. By the new year, we want to have kids ministry at 9 and 11. Some of you have been looking, how do I get connected? It's a great way to get connected. It's a great way to meet some new people. Uh, a lot of times we'll see even something you can do as spouses. You can do it together. You know, one of you is the teacher, one of you is the assistant. Or, you know, or one of you says, I'll go be an assistant teacher. And the other one says, um, well, can I do security during that time? Or can I help with check-in? There's lots of different roles that we need to fill. So encourage you to do that uh, and, and to sign up. We want to do that. So. Last thing then for you guys is just a reminder uh, that, and I, I'm trying to remember, well now, Ashley, was there others too that were going to be? Okay. Who, who all? Okay. So here's what, here's all we'll finish. Okay. Uh, we've got a few people that have done foster care and have done adoption, that kind of thing, and they're going to make their way down to the front as we exit and leave. And if you would like to meet, connect with them, and ask any questions, I encourage you to come on up and ask uh, them any questions of that. All right? And so for those of you that are are willing to come on down to the front, uh, for the rest of you, may you guys go in God's grace and his peace and have a great week. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't think you're too old to step into being a part of foster care and adoption. Thank you so much. We'll see you guys all next week.